0: Good to be with you all today again. Um, my name is uh, Jeremy McLean. I'm one of the pastors at ARC, Anacostia River Church, alongside Pastor uh, David Anavrele, who's preaching at Capitol Hill Baptist Church today, and also alongside um, Matt Schmugger, Pastor Matt Schmucker. Um, so as you know, we've been um, going. Oh, real quick, I wanted to uh, welcome all the visitors. If you're a visitor, can you please stand? If you're a visitor, please stand. Let us know you're here. I'm not going to embarrass anybody by asking you all to say your names, but the church just wanted to give you all a warm welcome, tell you thank you, if you uh, for coming. If you have not received a visitor card, you can um, get one from the back. Uh, we would love for you to fill it out so we can contact you and give you more information about the church. So thank you for coming. We've been um, going uh, through our uh, London Baptist Confession of Faith, 1689. That's the confession a uh, statement of faith that our church has adopted and so last week we slugged our way through oaths and vows um and this week we'll be going through over government now again i just want to uh just thank um wire for just leading us in worship today it was really really good um And I don't know about you all, but when I saw the word potentate, I was like, what in the world does that mean? (laughs) So I'm glad, wife, for explaining what potentate meant. Um, And yes, our Lord is Lord over all. So if you have your uh, programs, turn to page, um, let's see, turn to page 9. And let's read the Baptist Confession of Faith. Uh, nine together starting with number one as the world's supreme lord and king God has instituted civil government and has set up civil authorities subject to himself to rule over communities for his own glory and the public good for these purposes to be achieved he has given them the powers of life and death both for safety and encouragement of all men of good behavior and for the punishment of the wicked. Number two, it is lawful for Christians to accept and carry out the duties of public office when called upon to do so, in which case it becomes their responsibility to maintain justice and peace in accordance with the sound laws of the kingdoms and states which they serve. New Testament teaches authorizes them to wage war when this is found to be just and necessary. Silver rulers are set up by God for the aforesaid purposes. Christians are to be subject to them in respect of all their lawful requirements, and that, for the Lord's sake and for conscience' sake, and not merely to avoid punishment, they should offer supplications and prayers for kings, And all that are in authority, and under their rule, they may live a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Amen. We believe that this statement of faith is in accordance with Scripture. And so today we are going to um, study government through the Scripture of Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Let's hear God's word on this matter. That's on page 948 in the, uh, the Bibles that are being handed out to you now, if you don't have one. So if you don't have one, you can raise your hand, and the young gentleman will bring you a Bible. And it's on page 948. Now, as a way of background for Romans, uh, it was written to Jewish and Gentile Christians who were located in Rome. And Rome was ruled by the Emperor Nero at the time, and the government was actually pretty stable. And three of the main purposes of the book is to, one, explain the gospel and to remind the readers that God accepted people into his kingdom, not on the basis of their good works, but on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ on his work. The other purpose of the book is to foster unity amongst the Jews and the Gentiles and to teach them how to live amongst one another and within society. And the third purpose is uh, it was to raise financial support for, uh, financial support for missions, um, for his missionary journey to Spain. Now, as you uh, go through the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters are all about the riches of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 12, Paul then addresses the practical implications of the gospel, how people should live. And Paul is calling the Christians by the mercy of God to present their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and to have their their minds renewed and transformed so that by testing, they may discern what is the will of God, how they should live. How they should honor Christ in the society. How they should reflect his character. How they are to do that amongst the church. And also how they are to do that amongst the government. And that's where we are right now in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Let me read it. Let every person... For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Let's pray. The Heavenly Father, the law, your law is perfect, reviving the soul. Your testimony is sure, and it makes wise the simple. Your precepts are right. They rejoice the heart. Your commandments are pure. And by them, our eyes are enlightened. Fearing you is clean, and fearing you is what endures forever. Your rules are true and righteous altogether, more to be desired than gold. Lord, you make your word sweet to us today. Satisfy us with your word. Build us up by your truth so that we could be servants of the most high God. in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's start with verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Let's stop there. Everybody has to answer to and willingly place themselves under the authority of their government. From the local level all the way up to the state and federal level. Now at this time, as I said earlier, Rome was under the imperial rule of Nero. He was the sovereign ruler of the empire. But mind you, he was not a Christian. But still, as principle, Paul tells them to be subject to the governing authorities. Now, I can imagine, right, if there were governing officials in that room, they probably read this part of verse. They probably got a little air in their chest, got a little cocky, like, yeah, submit to me. And the people who was the, had to submit were probably stumped in their, slumped in their seats, like, oh, man, I got to submit to this, Joker. But then reverse 2. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. You see, that official and even the civilians might have recognized him as having authority, but might not have seen that his authority was from God. His power to rule was not from himself. It was not his campaign strategy. It wasn't because his father was on the throne before him. No, his, his, his authority, his power was derived from God. And God is the one who set him in place of leadership. So now the air that was once in his chest is now gone. And everybody in that room is humbled because everybody is in subjection and must submit to somebody. The Lord sets up kingdoms, and he brings down kingdoms. The nations are like a drop in the bucket to God. And this is where we have to start when we talk about government. It seems to me that whenever the topic of government is talked about, it goes very quickly to, okay, so do I have to obey or do I not have to obey? What if it's a bad government? What if they try and tell me to do this? What if they try and tell me to do that? That's not where we start. We have to start with understanding that God is the sovereign ruler over government. The decrees of God, that he governs the future and decides what government will arise and won't arise at whatever time in history. The sovereignty of God, that he has the freedom and power to do whatever he wants with people and governments. And the providence of God which says that not only does he decide what he will do and have the power to do it, but that he actually does it through means like campaigns and wars and elections, our God is in control of government. And he is the one who gives the power to whom he wishes. Now this could scare or at least cause some unrest for for someone who is unsure that God is on their side, right? If you don't know God is on your side, that's a problem when you hear that he's in control of government. Listen to this quote. It says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. This quote is from Corey Ten Boom, the Dutch Christian who endured the Nazi Holocaust in World War II. Another quote. We live so little in this world that it is no matter how wretched and miserable we are, if it prepares us for heaven, it is good. What is 40, 50, or 60 years when compared to eternity? This quote is from Jupiter Hammond, who had been a slave practically his whole life. They could say these things because they knew that God was on their side even when Hitler was in authority and when the slave master had the whip because they had Jesus Christ as their king. When Jesus came to the world, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when he walked the earth doing miracles we can't even conceive of, walking on water, calming seas, raising the dead, things that you can't believe he did unless you believe he was God, he was demonstrating that he had authority over everything and that he was the most high king. Even when he died, he said, nobody takes my life. I lay my life down. And he laid his life down in the place of sinners. See, everybody who has ever lived has resisted the authority and the rule of God. And that has earned them death. That has earned them God's condemnation. But in Jesus' love for sinners, he laid down his life in their place. He laid down his life so that people would not have to endure the wrath, but instead can can be can partake in the blessings and the inheritance of heaven. He did that for sinners. And if anybody would turn from their sin and turn to Jesus Christ, turn from their ways of rebellion and submit to his lordship, then just as sure as Christ has now risen from the dead and is now seated on the throne in heaven, is as sure as it, is, it will be for you when you rise from the dead that you will be a citizen of his kingdom. This is the kingdom that Corey ten Boom and Jupiter Hammond received by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what you can receive also. Jesus came to die for sinners. And there's no sinner outside of his grace. So come to him. And if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you are now a citizen of his kingdom, we cannot look at government through the lens of God's power. And and before we even can talk about civil disobedience and revolution, we can lift our hands and say, it is well with our souls. It may not be well with our bank accounts when they hike up the taxes. And it may not be well with our bodies if they use excessive force, but it is well with our souls. We can say this because no authority except from God exists. And if we have placed our faith in the Son of God, everything that is now done by authority is done for our good. I'm the first to say, I, I watch the, um, the debates, and I'm the first to say, if such and such win the election, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to Greece. But that can't be my initial heart's response. I have to first say my God is in control of the election. and He's going to put in that presidency whoever he wills. And it's going to work out for my good and for the good of the church. It will. And we can trust that. Now, if you're a politician, how I wish, I wish, if you're a politician, I wish you would become a Christian. Not so that we can have a Christian government, right? Because there is no such thing as a Christian government. The only time that will occur when, will occur is when Jesus Christ will come and reign. I hope you will become a Christian so that you will enjoy the freedom of having your sins forgiven. And that you could worship the true and living God. And so that you will not experience the hell of those who turn their face from Christ. But listen if you do not become a Christian, please remember that the authority that you have is from God. You can read about Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, King Nebuchadnezzar and King Belshazzar in the book of Daniel, Herod in the book of Acts. When these rulers looked out on all they had done and began to exalt themselves over God, that was the beginning of their ruin and the ruin of their nations. And when they abused and oppressed their people, God took note of it. And though he may not have judged them immediately, judgment did come. So please, please stay humble. Appreciate the position you're in. Use it for the good of the people. But as stated, know that God's kindness towards you in granting you this position is to lead you to repentance. Repentance. Same thing for us parents. Same thing for bosses, pastors. God is a defender of the weak. If we abuse or neglect our authority, God will judge, and he will be provoked to anger. So we must strive with all we have to submit to God and submit to all authority. Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Because government is an institution that was appointed by God, to resist or rebel against this authority is rebelling against God. And please notice that it doesn't say that it's light resisting God. No, it is resisting God. And because it is resisting God, it may receive judgment, either temporarily by the government or eternally by God himself. And this is the same with parents and children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. When you resist your parents, you are resisting God, similar to employees and boss. Work not as unto man but unto the Lord. You resist your bosses, you are resisting God. Now, the caveat or exception logically flows from verse 1. God is the ultimate authority, right? So the main times when we are obligated to resist authority is when the authority is resisting God, either by commanding us to do wrong or by not allowing us to worship God and do right. And there will be times when government authorities or parents that has been appointed will act contrary to God's will. But that is not the point of this passage. And I believe that Paul wants us to focus here on how, how we are to submit because it is about the witness of the body of Christ to the world. Now, I'm not saying we should blindly submit to those things that that cause us to sin, but I'm saying the focus is for us to place ourselves under authority to bring honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what I'm going to focus on. Paul is lifting up God's relationship to government and focuses on our relationship to God. Now, pick an authority that you're under. Church authority, parental authority, park authority, whatever. Any type of authority, think about it. Resisting those authorities is resisting God. Let that settle. Think about the seriousness of it. Don't shrug your shoulders at it. Think about it. Now, look at Jesus. Everywhere we have fallen short in, in, in obeying authority, Jesus didn't. Jesus only did what the Father told him to and never resisted God. When Jesus was in the garden, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And one of the results of him never resisting God and living perfectly righteous was to fulfill the righteousness that we lack. Now, instead of God judging us based on our resistance to him, he sees Jesus Christ's perfect submission to him in our place. You see Jesus for you? His obedience to the Father for you, understanding your weakness, understanding our sin. This is grace. This is a gracious gift to us. His perfect life is a gracious gift to us. And we should accept it. Because that's the only way we can stand before God. That's the only way we can stand before God. So accept this gift. But it's not just that we are rejecting God when we reject authority, but we're also rejecting God's good plan for us. Look at the next two verses. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. The government is God's servant. And if operated the way that God has intended it, as verse 3 says, it's a terror to bad conduct. When people act bad, when people do wrong, they should fear the government. And they should fear the government because the government as in the middle of verse 4 says, does not bear the sword in vain. The government bears the sword. They are authorized to use it. And when I'm saying sword, the government is authorized to protect and to preserve the peace by by the use of force. That's what the sword is. And they have it in a way in which citizens don't. So if I speed, my wife cannot give me a ticket, but the government can. And if somebody breaks into my house and steals my TV, I can't go and grab him and lock him into my, and lock him in my basement. But the institution of the government can. They have the sword. They can exercise authority. They can penalize bad, and they also should approve what is good. First Peter 2 3 says, Be subject to, be subject for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to the governors, as sent by him to punish those who do evil, and to praise those who do good. And so we should submit to government because this allows us to live free. I remember um, when I was in Cleveland, riding with my friend, we were going out one night and we was in casual conversation and then he just talked about how he had an illegal weapon in the car. I'm like, whoa. I'm shredding bullets like, bruh, I'm, I'm not a thug. I don't, no, 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 no. I don't do that. And I was fearful. I, I could have gone to jail. But we, the, the way that we don't live in fear, is by obeying the government when it's lawful, right? When it's not against God, that's why we don't live in fear. Kids, like I hate going to school. My teacher always picking on me. Well, then stop talking in class. <laughs> you don't want the teacher to pick on you? Stop talking in class. There's consequences for actions. And if we want to live in peace, we should just strive to be obedient to the governing authorities when appropriate. And Paul says that they are servants of God and servants for good. Now, one might ask, how do you define good, right? Well, Paul, turn to Romans chapter 2, verse 14 really quickly. Romans 2.14 says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of man by Christ Jesus. So in Paul's divine understanding of man, he says that even without the Bible, a person can still know what is morally good and evil, what is morally right and wrong, because God has written the law on their conscience. And conscience is like a person's inner court system that takes information, right, deliberates, and then makes an inward judgment on whether something is right whether something is wrong. Now look at verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. If we begin to do wrong, not only will we receive God's judgment in an earthly sense or eternal sense, but we will begin to damage our own conscience. Think about how I describe the conscience, right? Now, what if that internal court system was a little off? What if it was skewed? What if it slanted towards evil? That would mean that all of your actions began to slant towards evil, and you wouldn't even feel it. It wouldn't wouldn't bother you at all. That's what happens when we continue to sin and break God's law over and over and over again. It affects our conscience to the point where sin is no longer sin, where bad becomes good and good becomes bad. And so you get in your first fight, your heart beating really fast, you scared, you get in your next fight, your heart not beating so fast. It's like, oh, I've done this before. You get in your fourth, your fifth, your sixth fight, and it's nothing to you. It's like our conscience. The more we do something, it desensitizes us to certain actions. And so when we don't obey the government, we kill our own conscience. When we sin, we're killing our own conscience. And we do not want to do that. Because if you kill your own conscience, God, a conscience is a gift to us. We will find ourselves way off doing something we never imagined ourselves doing. So we submit to government for the sake of our conscience. And the, and the government, as they enforce what's good and bad, right, they help to sharpen our conscience. They help us feel the impact of our right and wrong decisions so that we can begin to walk upright. So, we should pray for the government officials. We should pray that God would give them grace to fulfill their responsibility to be his servants of good. And we should pray that their understanding of right and wrong would not become so warped that they begin to approve what is bad and punish what is good. As stated before, one of the goals is to help, of the government is to help shape the conscience and to set a standard for right or wrong. Same thing for, our, for parents. If we feel like our parents according to, are out of line with God's word, we should begin to pray for them and ask God to change their hearts towards what is good. That's what we should do. Because when the authorities understand right and wrong, then that would help us live peaceful and quiet lives and to sharpen our consciences for what is right and wrong. I, I'm glad to see um, many people in our congregation doing this. Um, and one of the luxuries that we have as Christians is to not only disciple our children, uh, to sharpen their conscience by, by, um, by disciplining them, but also we can sharpen their consciences by the word. Recently, a member told me that, uh, that his child came home with a homework assignment that had to do with Greek mythology, and the child came home distraught. And when the parent asked him what was wrong, he said he didn't want to do the homework because he didn't think that there should be any other God beside the one true God. Now, he still had to do the homework. But what is happening is that the parents are beginning to shape that young man's conscience, changing his whole worldview. That's what parents are supposed to do with the word. And they're also supposed to do that with discipline. Governing authorities, all governing authorities are gifts to our conscience. Now Let's look at verse 6. Verse 6 starts out, for, because of this. And I take the this as referring to everything that Paul was talking about in reference to the function of government. How it is good and how it shapes the conscience and how we should obey it. Um, And he gives us, following this statement, he he then gives us practical applications for how we should submit and encourage the government. He says, "You you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed. Now, this act would set the believers apart from others because at that time, people didn't want to pay taxes. But Paul says, no, renew your minds, walk as followers of Christ, obey the government, And you, Christians, pay your taxes. And people should pay taxes and revenue so that, one, the ministers of God could be attended for so that they can live and eat. And two, so that they can continue to promote and enforce good. We see that in verses 6 and 7. The government needs money to get things done. But what if some of the money is going to evil things? Uh oh. What Jesus says in Mark twelve seventeen, right? Jesus said in Mark twelve seventeen, when the people asked him, um, should they pay taxes to Caesar? He says, give to C- render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now at that time Caesar actually thought he was divine, and the Roman government had was even massacring Jews, and yet. And so, to pay taxes would seem like it was aiding evil. And yet, Jesus says, pay to Caesar. What is Caesar? The government is a common grace. And when we pay taxes, kind of broadly, when we pay taxes to the government, we are funding the welfare of the state. That's our goal. So, remember, God will judge the officials for taking the money and for distributing it to, to fund evil things. When we pay our taxes, we are saying, God, I know that you have a good plan for government and that you are ultimately in control and I'm submitting to you right now and we let our consciences be clear. And so we pay our taxes to the government and we give our lives to God and we put everything in God's hands. We put the lives of unborn babies in his hands. We put wars in. In his hands, we give it all over to him. now not uh, now paying taxes is, is quite different from you having your direct your direct hand in doing something, right and so there's you should not we should not have our hand in doing something that the Bible is opposed to, not directly and so speak point blank. Kim Davis should not have signed off on those um, marriage certificates because she's not to um, affirm any type of marriage that outside of God's, the biblical grounds that God has presented in, the, in his word. The other, the other aspects of the case I don't know, I can't talk to, but I do know that that she should not have done. And that's the same thing for us as well. When, if we have any type of, of direct interaction with something, we are not supposed to disobey our God and his word. So it's good for us to pay taxes to the government And it's good for us to submit to the government and trust that God will do with it as he wills. But that doesn't mean that we stand idly by and watch things happen either. So it's good for uh, uh, Andrew Nichols, right, for us to pay our taxes and also to peacefully protest against Planned Parenthood. Student, it's good for you to turn in your homework, and then if you feel like your teacher is doing something wrong to you, to go to the principal and go to your parent and say something. And if you want to wear any type of Black Lives Matter t-shirt in order to stand in solidarity against something that you feel is an injustice, it's okay to do that peacefully as you continue to honor and respect the government. So we pay our taxes, we submit, and we also go through the proper channels of, of, of upholding the goodness that God has set for everybody. Shouldn't that Turner have led that slave rebellion that freed blacks in Southampton County that resulted in... Certain deaths? Should Dietrich Bonhoeffer have tried to murder Hitler? Should Rosa Parks have moved to the back of the bus? Whatever your position, know this. Psalms 1016 says, The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted, you will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. He knows, the Lord knows, and he cares. Yeah. And, by, and by whatever means, in this time or in the next, he will avenge and does avenge the wicked. Let's look at verse 7. Therefore, with that in mind, we should respect, give respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So we should not only pay money, but we should also pay respect and honor to those in authority so so that they can feel encouraged, not only materially, but also kind of emotionally, psychologically, to keep doing the good work that God has ordained for them to do. We should not defame or drag the government officials through the mud. There is one thing to disagree with a person's platform or agenda. It's another thing to attempt to publicly shame an individual. We should approach the authorities with respect. We should also encourage the government officials. There is nothing so discouraging as not being recognized for what you do. And there is nothing more encouraging than being praised and honored for what you do. We should always seek to point out the ways that they are being good servants of God and applaud them for it. Same thing with children and parents. When was the last time, children, you told your parents, thank you for being a good parent to me? Encourage them. They might extend your curfew. <laughs> Same thing with bosses and employees. Encourage them. I might get a raise. But we don't do it to get raises, and we don't do it to get curfews. We do it to please our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's why we do it. And and we praise God for government, right? We We do not hate the government. The government is a gift. I hope you've seen as we've gone through these passages. The government is a gift to mankind to help them flourish, to thrive, to feel safe. God has shaped and fashioned us and knows our tendencies And our proclivities to hurt rather than to heal, to break rather than to build up. Therefore, we must support the good that government provides. We should not despise teachers. We should not shun rulers. Because when we do that, we are resisting the good gift that God has provided. And finally, we have to remember that even on the government's best day, it still falls extremely short of the kingdom to come. But that makes the kingdom to come all the more better, doesn't it? Listen to the kingdom to come how it's described in Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might and faithfulness, the belt of his loins. That is the king of our kingdom that is to come. And that root of Jesse is Jesus. And I'm gonna keep reading. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. A cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hold of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. This is just showing how peaceful that kingdom will be. There will be no conflict in the kingdom to come. So much so that a little kid will be able to play by a rattlesnake. it will be a pet. All the decay that we see in this world, all the strife and broke will be gone in the kingdom that is to come. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. His resting place shall be glorious. I read this to uh, some kids at Daybreak one time. Little kid was like, I wanna go there. (laughs) Do y'all wanna go there? That's the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the citizenship. That we have. That's our home. That's the kingdom that's to come. That's where we will dwell forever if we have placed our faith in Jesus. So, family, we are citizens of another kingdom right now. And that kingdom is unshakable and glorious. Therefore, let's submit to the godly authority on earth as we look for that kingdom that is to come. Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.